was trying to figure out what the hell is all the hype about. So I went on my Spotify and I was listening to like some of her songs. I was like, Antihero's a little bit of a jam. Sip and Chat Cafe. Hey, hey, welcome to Sip and Chat Cafe, a safe space for stimulating conversations. No topic is off limits. If it matters to you, it matters to us. I'm your host, Atara G, with our producer, Motel Maurice. Hey, hey, hey. For information about this podcast and more, please visit motelmaurice.com. So today, we're going to talk about my hysterectomy journey. Exactly. That's how I felt when I decided to get one. But I did it. And uh, I had my uterus removed, my fallopian tubes at my cervix. So I'm going to share how I got from finding out I had fibroids to ultimately deciding to have a hysterectomy. And you're going to tell us from your medical professional perspective, right? No, I am not a doctor. (laughs) I'm just sharing my own personal story. And, um, Anything I say today is for informational sharing purposes only, should not be taken as professional medical advice, because again, I'm not a doctor. And if you have any questions, I would urge you or suggest that you reach out to a medical professional. Don't be hitting me up in my DMs telling me I said you should do so and so and such and such. Don't do that. (laughs) You know, there's going to always be that one person. Oh, yes, of course. There's always that one person. So like I said already, I had my uterus removed, which we know is the womb. Um, It's an organ in a female's body. Um, That's part of the female's reproductive system, commonly known as the womb. Animals and humans have this, uh, this organ. Then there's the fallopian tubes which is their primary function is to transport eggs from the ovary to the uterus. And then the cervix, the cervix, which is basically a passage that allows fluids to flow inside and outside of a woman's uterus. It's also a powerful gatekeeper that can open and close in ways that make pregnancy and childbirth possible. And it's also a key player in the orgasm. Ooh la la. Okay. (laughs) We'll save that topic for another podcast because that could take hours. Uh, So as a woman's body gets older, there's changes and things happen. And one of those things is development of fibroids. So when I was first diagnosed with fibroids, I was in my mid-30s. And I had a couple of them, but the largest one being about the size of a key line, which is pretty much a circumference of a quarter. And at that, I, at that time, I wasn't symptomatic. They weren't bothering me. They were just, you know, living there. And it was pedunculated, meaning they weren't in the one, the, that largest one weren't in my uterus. They were kind of outside of my, my uterus, but attached by a stem. So kind of kind of imagine like a mushroom attached to my uterus by the stem. That's what they call pedunculated when they're on the outside hanging off a stem. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So um, the doctor was like, okay, we'll just keep an eye on them. If they continue to grow, if you get symptoms, we'll, you know, we'll look at them every year. We'll see how it's going. So years go by, years go by. They don't do anything. They don't bother me. They do continue to grow. They get a little bit bigger every year, but I'm not having any symptoms. They're not bothering me. But then we get to the point where I notice I'm having frequent urination. Um, for instance, I'll be, you know, I'll just be sitting down and then I'll stand up and then oh, I have to pee really urgently. Or I'll go use the bathroom, go sit down, and as soon as I sit down, I have to pee again. That's basically to the point that the fibroid had gotten so big, it was pushing on my bladder, causing frequent urination and a sense of urgency to urinate. So around this time, I did start exploring options to do something about them. And I do believe in holistic medicine. So whenever something's going on with me, and I do this even with my dog, whenever something's going on with my dog, I always try the holistic approach first. And if I don't get the results we're looking for, I fold in Western medicine or textbook medicine, if you want to think of it that way. Um, and you know, between the combination of Western medicine and holistic medicine, we usually get to a good place. So I did try to get rid of my fibroids with herbs and all that kind of stuff first and clean eating, did all of that stuff. Whether I was committed enough or not, you know, we'll leave that to someone else's opinion. But it, I, ultimately I didn't get the results I was looking for and my fibroids remained and they continue to grow. So at this point, I began to tentatively talk to my doctor about the different options um, for removing the fibroids and the different sort of procedures. And she kind of runs them down for me. And at that point, I was like, no, <laughs> my fears surfaced. You know, my fears were really around. I don't want to be cut open. I don't want to lose parts of my body, even though they were internal organs. I wanted to remain whole. And I was also fearful of the bias in the medical system um, towards women who look like me. So those kind of things all kind of put my exploration to a halt. After I heard about what options there were, I was like, oh no, you know what? I'm just going to power through when I get to menopause, you know, you know, those, the hormones that encourage the growth of fibroids will taper off. And so they'll stop growing. I'll just power through. I can do it. Um, that was delusional. I remember there was this one, this is the one thing that made me go back to the hysterectomy table. Um, I'm on the 90 freeway. I don't know where I was going. I'm just on the 90 freeway. And I had I had only I had left work maybe 20 minutes ago. So I'd only been in the car for 20 minutes. And mind you, I peed right before I left work, exit the building, got in the car, driving for 20 minutes, and I all of a sudden have to pee so bad. I'm having to pee like I drank a gallon of water. I haven't been holding it all day. 
I have no choice but to pull over on the side of the freeway, pour out this drink that I had, and pee in a 12-ounce cup. It was mortifying. And I had to pee so bad I could barely hold it. And I, like, dribbled it all over my shoes. It was so embarrassing. Anyways, so I recovered from that, got myself back in the car. And, of course, then I started, like, I, you know, I can't live like this. This is... I have to go see my doctor. And so by this time, I had a new gynecologist who I really liked. And I started talking to her about a hysterectomy. Um, and again, I talked to her about, you know, what procedure is best for me. And my latest um, exam, my latest ultrasound, to find the size of fibroids, they do a vaginal ultrasound or a uterine ultrasound, which is like they stick a a probe up there and it shows the size of the fibroids. My fibroids, at this point, I had many small fibroids and I had some cysts, but one of my fibroids was so big, it was like the size of a small melon. And my doctor told me it was like I was six or seven months pregnant. The fibroids were so big. And it felt like it. Like I, I know... Sometimes the fibroids were like, it would feel like I had been punched in the stomach. Like it would feel like bruised, but bruised from the inside. And it, sometimes I would just get nauseous or I would feel it moving around in there when I shifted. I wasn't feeling good. You know, it was the whole urination thing. And then on top of that, I was just not feeling good in my body. And this had gone. And at this point, I had been feeling not good in my body for over a year, probably over two years, and it was getting increasingly worse. So I, you know, like I said, I went to the doctor. I said, listen, I, I want to, you know, I think I want to get a hysterectomy. And I said, you know, what are my options? She's like, well, your, and my gynecologist was also a surgeon too. So she would be the one performing the surgery. And she said, I cannot remove you know, your your fibroids are so big, I would have to cut through your abdominal wall. So I was like, okay, it is what it is. This is what we're going to have to do. We scheduled the appointment. I started going through all the tests. And then a close friend of mine, a co-worker, who, and she and I had become friends, she also had fibroids. And she shared with me about, and she had recently come back from her own hysterectomy. And I went to talk to her. I shared with her that I was going to be out. These are the day because I'm getting a hysterectomy. And when I told, so, and then when we started talking about it on a personal level and I told her I was going to have, you know, they were going to remove them through my stomach. She was like, uh, no, bump that. Don't do that. Go talk to my doctor. So she gave me the information for her doctor who um, specialized in non-invasive hysterectomies. So I went, so I took her information, I took that doctor's information. I went back to my doctor and I said, are you sure you can't do this non-invasively? And she's like, no, Atara, they're just too big. So then I was like, okay. And I was nervous about going through a, a doctor I didn't have a relationship with. But then as we got closer and closer to the date, I more and more and more was firm that I did not want to have my stomach wall cut, you know? And so I ended up 
I called the doctor to share my concerns with her. And she was so nonchalant and blase blase about it, you know. Um, at this time, it's it's the pandemic, it's COVID. So I'm doing everything on virtual appointments and over the phone and things like that. It wasn't in person. This conversation wasn't in person. And I get that she does this all the time. It's a hysterectomy is a fairly routine surgery and she does this all the time, but I only have one uterus. So I'm only going to ever have one hysterectomy and it's not routine for me. So I had was anxious about it and nervous about it and worried. And I just didn't feel like she was, connecting with me there as a patient about how anxious I was about this, even though I was like verbally saying it. So I, and after that conversation, it was maybe two weeks after I ended up canceling the appointment. And then I called um, the doctor, my friend referred me to and set up an intake appointment, which was like three months before I could get in to see her. Yeah, it was three months. So Another three months of suffering, had my appointment with her. She's like, yeah, I've looked at your chart. I can do this. And then remember, they set my appointment for early January. So I ended up going to Africa. I had a great time there, but I knew it would have been so much more fun had I not been toting around these fibroids. And then I came back. And when I called, you know, to just check up on my appointment, they're like, oh, you know, your surgery is going to be a super long one. So we've got to move you to April. <laughs> and so here now I have a few more months of suffering. And I'm and I say suffering. But yeah, I'm going to say suffering because I'm not going to compare it to anyone else's struggle it was my struggle. It was my body. It was very uncomfortable. And at this point, it's not only the urination. I just feel like terrible inside. It's hard to describe. I just feel like yucky. I, I it was big. I could. Whereas before, when the fibroids were smaller, I didn't feel like I had something inside of me. Now they're bigger, and I feel like I have something foreign inside of me. You know, its presence is constant. I'm constantly aware of its presence, and it was feeling terrible. So I, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm hyped for the surgery. I'm excited. And, um, you know, I had already, once I had, once I had scheduled the surgery, I had already started talking to other women about their experience and having those conversations with other women who I knew well enough to ask, Hey, have you had a hysterectomy? Um, was really helpful because some of them had had one recently and some of them had had them many years ago or a dozen years ago or five years ago. But having those conversations and collectively getting everyone's experience really like calmed me down and prepared me for this. One of the ladies who I spoke with, she shared with me, you know, she's like, the doctor's not going to tell you this, but you need to find yourself a um, pelvic floor therapist. You want to go see them before your surgery, and then you want to go see them afterwards to help rebuild your pelvic, you know, the, the strength of your pelvic floor. And so I started doing my own research with hysterectomies and stuff like, you know, around aftercare for hysterectomies. And yeah, you, 
your your uterus is it's not just a womb it's also a muscle and so it provides a level of strength to your whole pelvic re- region like all that stuff is connected through muscle and tissue and when you take some of that out you're removing a muscle so you're removing some of your strength and um i was so glad like it was just a fluke that she mentioned that none of the research that i did said, oh, make sure you get a pelvic floor therapist. My, so the surgeons I talked to, the doctors I talked to, none of them recommended a pelvic floor therapist. Even the aftercare papers that I got after the surgery don't mention a pelvic floor therapist. So I end up going to have my you know, initial appointment before my hysterectomy with the pelvic floor therapist. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, um, she did an exam. She tested my strength. She's like, oh, you're, you know, you're pretty strong. So I was like, okay, I've got a, um, a strong pelvic floor. <laughs> so that was good. And, um, and then she talked to me, you know, from a therapist perspective about having a hysterectomy. And it was a completely different kind of conversation than you have with the doctor, you know. Um, she just kind of walked me through what kind of things we would be focusing on after therapy. One of the things that she focuses on is wound care. I remember every visit I would go, she would check my wounds, make sure they were doing okay. Um, And that was really helpful that I had someone else looking at my wounds as well. But let me circle back to the surgery. Okay, so here are my fears going into the surgery. How am I going to be treated by the medical team? You know, having these incisions, how are they going to heal? And then um, just what my body is going to feel like afterwards. So I can say the experience at the hospital was excellent. I get to the hospital, you know, they check me in, they get me ready. You know, I go through pre-op. They ask me all those questions before they put you under. And then, you know, the nurse was like, okay, we're going to give you your, your nurse sedative now. She turns on the little you know, turns on the drip, they start rolling me into, they start rolling me into down the hallway. I remember looking out the window. The last thing I remember is looking out the window. The next thing I remember is waking up and seeing the nurse. And I look at the nurse and she's like, oh, you're waking up. And she immediately asked me, are you in any sort of pain? And I was like, I'm in excruciating pain. She's like, okay, I'm going to give you, you know, I can't remember what she said, but she's like, I'm going to give you the rest of whatever, blah, blah, blah. She gave it to me and the pain started to go away. She's like, I'm going to let you wake up and then I'll come back and check on you. And she did. I think I dozed off and she came back and checked on me. We got up. You went and got the car. They wheeled me down and we came home and I got back in the bed and I went back to sleep. And, you know, when I compare my recovery to other women's cover, other women's cover recovery stories on different blogs and things that I've read and conversations, it was easy peasy. I had a real this. I had a real good quality experience. You know, after coming home from surgery, I started seeing my pelvic floor therapist. That was a great experience. That was like actually like going to a spa. I get there, it's one on one. It's me and her. She's really in tune. Not only was she asking how my body was feeling, she's asking me how she's asking me how I'm feeling emotionally and mentally because all that ties into how you heal, you know, and she's also doing different 
exercises with me, pelvic floor exercises that get harder and harder each week so that she's building that strength. And then she got to a point where she was like, you can, you know, continue to come and see me, but I think you're good on your own. You can just continue to do these exercises that I've given you. But if you ever want to come back and see me, you know, you can. I actually feel like I want to send her a card or just check on her and say hi, because I think about her a lot, you know, like part of healing from surgery is emotional healing. And she was really a key factor in my emotional healing. Yeah. It went well. It went really well. Because, you know, I've talked to some someone else I know. Um, she had a a biopsy. It's a certain kind of biopsy, like where they take some of your tissue from your uterus. And a lot of women have these biopsies without, um, without any kind of sedative or anything like that. And it's really painful. And so I had to have a couple of those as well. And they weren't painful at all. So there's a, you know, there's a lot of women out there who have to have these kind of procedures done on the reproductive system, but they don't give you any sedative to, for it. They're like, unless they're actually cutting you over and removing something, they don't give you a sedative. And so I, I was really fortunate because I have a healthcare plan through my employer and I get A plus premium care. That is nothing to sneeze at. It's not, it's a privilege actually. It is, um, I have a privilege in that that respect. So I don't take that for granted. I met this girl in Atlanta, young girl, many, many years ago. I was, I had gone to um, Atlanta to visit my cousin and her neighbor would braid my cousin's daughter's hair. And she came over to braid her daughter's hair. And I remember her saying that she had just had a baby and she had a C-section. And then she had asked if while they were in there, could they remove the fibroids that she had? And they did not. And they gave her the C-section and sewed her back up. And her fibroids are so painful, she and her partner can't even have intercourse. As you said, it was a, a good experience for you compared to others. Was there anything about the process, whether it be during or after, that annoyed you, that bothered you, that or anything like that? Not specifically related to the surgery itself. It's more so like when you share with some, when I shared with people I was going to have a hysterectomy or that I have had a hysterectomy, the first question is always, oh, do you have kids? And I'm like, no. And the look, it's like the look on their faces is of such despair. They start to say, oh, I'm so sorry you never got to have kids. And now I don't even let them finish that because I'm like, I am okay. I never wanted to have kids. I'm okay without having kids. I don't have some dying urge to have kids. And I don't regret not having kids. Now, I love children. And there's plenty of children in my life. So I do get to nurture and mother children. I'm a fantastic aunt. Not having my own children is not a mark, a smudge on my life. And I and it's annoying. That kind of reaction is annoying just because the society thinks if a woman, you know, we've come so far, but we're still stuck in thinking that if a woman doesn't have kids, she must not feel her life is complete. There are so many women out there whose lives are so complete and it has nothing to do with having kids and their lives are not complete. And that has nothing to do 
with not having kids. Like children don't even factor into it at all, you know. So yeah. But that's I, a whole nother podcast. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. Let me not <laughs> let me not go off on another tangent because you know I like my tangents. <laughs> I think my whole message with this, and I, I will say this. I think this podcast came about because of that hysterectomy journey, because going, having those conversations, feeling really alone and having to make that decision, not having any, feeling like I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. And then beginning to talk to other women about it made me realize there's so many conversations that women and men, that people that we aren't having with each other that we should be having because there's so we all go through the same things at some point at some point in our lives and we should be talking like we should be talking with each other about these things you know it's okay though that's too personal to talk about oh no 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 we're all experiencing these things and our experiences and our perspectives on what we're going through can help each other. We live in such an individualistic society here. That's what shuts down these more personal communal conversations that can be helpful. So that's where I got the idea about having this podcast where people can come on and talk about something that may be taboo or, or something they think they shouldn't talk about. Because you know, I hope that sharing my story today has helped someone, you know, or at the very least had made some has made someone say, you know, I'm going to look into this a little bit more. I'm going to go ask questions. I'm going to go talk to someone I know about this, who who I know who've had who's had this surgery or had this procedure or had this done or this experience and talk to them about it. And this conversation is obviously valuable for women. Is it just as valuable for men? If your partner is a man and he's going to be the one taking care of you after your surgery, he needs to understand how you're feeling before you go into surgery and what to expect afterwards to properly care for you. He needs. That's why I get so detailed with you about my anatomy and why I get so detailed with you with what I'm experiencing because you need to know. You heard it, fellas. You need to know. You need to know. <laughs> <laughs> you need I to know. I'm not I mean, going to debate it, that. Yeah. So I, I'm interested. I'm interested in to know, like, what was your, how when you knew you were going to have to take care of me after this, what was your initial thought? Were you nervous? Were you like, oh my gosh? Like, did you have expectations? Like, what were you thinking? I just wanted to make myself available and supportive. That was essentially it. You know, a big part of uh, the a big part of this process too is not knowing what to expect after the surgery. But you were there to take care of me. My sister came over that same day. She brought flowers, even like little things like that, like waking up and seeing those flowers, bringing over the snacks. She brought me zinc and vitamin C. So like having a circle of family and friends to care about me and look in on me is huge. That helps with the healing as well. You know, my co coworkers checked in on me. I realized that I this whole process was a really good experience for me because of the people I had around me. It helped take away 
some of that anxiety and stress of post-surgery situation, whatever that would be. So as we wrap up, like I said, I hope that this session here, this episode here was helpful to women who may be in a position to have to consider a hysterectomy are women who have fibroids and their partners. So on that note, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never have to miss a single episode of Sip and Chat Cafe.